Welcome to Horsepower to Hyperloops, Kettering University's official podcast, where we serve up a smorgasbord of fascinating people, groundbreaking ideas, and noteworthy advancements in fields as diverse as mobility, healthcare, engineering, and technology. Frankly, there's very few places in this building that you can't get a sight line to almost the entire rest of the facility. It's really intriguing. While we still have privacy and controllability of space so that you can host events and do the things that you want to do academically, we always allowed for those sight lines. Hello, I'm Tim Troop Newton, and that was Travis Sage the lead designer for Kettering's new 105,000-square-foot learning commons, the new academic building going up behind Kettering's campus center. Sage is a principal with Stantec Architecture, the national architectural and engineering firm on multiple projects at Kettering University over the past 19 years. Sage considers Kettering's learning commons, which is due to be completed in 2022, to be a visionary and transformative project for higher education across the globe. In our discussion, he described the original vision, the new paradigm in higher education architecture that the Learning Commons represents, and some of its more interesting elements. Travis, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Tim. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I assume this is a big project for you. Tell me a little bit about the Learning Commons itself, just generally, and how that project came to you. Well, the Learning Commons project for Kettering University is frankly a marquee project or would be a marquee project in any architect's career. First of all, I'm extremely lucky to have been entrusted with with the work here. The Learning Commons is uh, really the future of the academic library and will serve as the academic hub and heart for Kettering into the future. And many people kind of wonder what a learning commons is, and it's really that future for an academic library is learning and the social experiences of living and engaging in class on camp demand different types of learning modes from and for the student. The learning commons is that new iteration of the academic library and how it's transitioning to a place for interaction and experience and creating that total well-rounded student. I understand that when you use the term library, between the social spaces and the light, and it's not exactly the long rows of books that we (laughs) come to think about, right? It's it's quite a different building. No, and that was one of the, the large hurdles that we had with this project was coming to understand Dr. McMahon's before this future learning commons. We've seen the evolution over, you know, the last uh, couple of decades of the book being relegated to a secondary role within the academic library. And Bob's forward-looking vision for this was to really, really push the book out of the library and really make it a place for students to engage in project and social experiences that are going to reinforce that research and learning that they're doing every day. And for someone who's specialized in academic facilities for his whole career, programming around the book has been a large part of what I've done. And uh, to really see that next vision and to see the spaces that came out of that was really an exciting experience as a designer to be a part of. So would it be fair to say that standard library is more of a static space for book storage and study, and this is a much more dynamic, experiential, wide open place built not around book storage, but around experiential social learning. 
Yeah, experience, okay. really. And the real message there, and this is what, what was really the, the key point that we realized through design, is that those experiences were not academic in the traditional sense. They were reinforcing. When you think about a, a student's experience in a classroom, they're certainly receiving and interpreting and learning information. But Dr. McMahon's vision for this was, how can this building reinforce that learning? And what we know is through our experience as designers is that reinforcement happens through the social interactions, the group work, the out of classroom and informal learning environments around a campus that are typically not prescribed for that. They're just found spaces, right? Whether it be a plaza or a hallway, those are the places that really that learning becomes reinforced. And so what Bob's vision for this project was to really create a place for that to happen at the heart of campus and to bring in not only the instructors and the administrators into that experience as well, but also industry partners, um, which was a key, is a key part of the Kettering learning experience. And throughout the space, throughout the building, there are places for, frankly, everyone from industry to participate and engage and, and work with students, to work with their interns. There's a very large internship component of the, the Kettering curriculum. And, and for professors, for instance, to, to take a hiatus from the traditional classroom environment and maybe move into one of the collaboration rooms and provide a different learning experience for the students. And then for students to be able to present and share their work, whether it be through the connector, which is really this dynamic gallery space that, that links it to the students. There, there's just so many opportunities for those inc incidental interactions to happen in this facility. And really that became the organizing design element or our elements to the project well we've all seen the pictures we've seen the pictures of the master plan which is very cool mm -hmm. and we've seen pictures of this but teach us about the building a little bit absolutely part of our process that once we kind of got over the the challenges of understanding the how this program was going to be conceived was to visualize space in a different way and so we did use the physical model as a key design tool throughout the entire process. And the reason being is because it could illustrate in no way that a graphic drawing or two-dimensional media could the way that spaces and people will interact. One of the key spaces to the building is the atrium. It's a four-story connecting space vertically right at the heart of the building. All of the major spaces and informal learning areas are organized around it. And to be able to do that, we actually made a model that comes apart and you can visualize all of those spaces kind of moving down and through the building. And, and that was really key to helping understand how you may be in one part of the building, but you're able to visually connect on a different floor or to a different floor in a different space. And that was really, that was really instrumental to getting over that hurt that we had with Dr. McMahon and understanding how this building was gonna ultimately be used. Once we started really working in that form, we could start to push and pull space, the atrium, at the heart of the building really allowed all of these informal learning spaces and adjacent collaboration rooms to be able to connect visually through the building. So you never feel like you're in an isolated corner or within a room per se. We obviously employed a lot of glass and glass walls as well throughout to maintain that visual connection and transparency which we're really excited about the D spaces, which is a key piece of the program. There's nine D spaces in this building. And 
the D space is a really interesting social contract for space that, that the university has where it's a use it as you need and want to for any duration, vacate it when you're done. And that is a really interesting model for space on campus. So those D spaces with the glass walls, we're expecting to see equations and notes taken and, and being able to visually see from one space to another right through the student's project work. And that's going to be a really exciting dynamic. Frankly, it's oftentimes tried to be controlled in a sense where, you know, you put a marker board on a wall and that's where the, the work happens and then the rest is on display. Here, almost every surface is writable, which is really fun. And as a designer, exciting because I remember my educational experience as an architect, and I still believe in that tactile experience um, as really reinforcing learning. And we call that analog today, right? But, but that was really fundamental to how a lot of the spaces were designed. Now, you mentioned a couple of other unique spaces, the Kiva or whatever. Tell yeah. me about those. Any, any spaces that, you, that come to mind? Well, as we started to form the vision for the project, we, we ended up realizing that what, what Dr. McMahon was trying to achieve was the equilibrium or the space in between the two ends of a spectrum. And so there were a lot of words that were paired up to create the design concepts for this project. One is technology and craft, right? Those two ends of the spectrum were a wholly digital experience versus a very physical and tactile experience. Putting those two elements together and then finding and exploring that range in between. And so every time we looked at space in this building, we looked to create that complementary space and then allowed the informal learning spaces to really stitch them together. You mentioned the Kiva. And so there's really two very large presentation or learning spaces in this building. One is the Kiva, which is an informal, open air, large learning stair type of environment where they can have presentations and receptions and display student work. The students can relax there, eat their lunch there, socialize there throughout the day. And then the opposing end of that was the auditorium, which was a more formal learning environment in a, a more conventional sense. So we took those two perspectives, we played them off of one another, they anchor opposite ends of, of the building, organized on opposite sides of the atrium. So again, uh, using those multi-floor spaces connected across the atrium to really explore that dynamic and range between the two ends of the spectrum on that particular element. Now you mentioned the connector, which is not just a a dead passageway between the learning commons and the campus center, but something much more dynamic, right? Well, yeah. Welcome to Flint, Michigan. It's cold in the winter, right? One of the, one of the experiences we certainly are challenged with as designers is to understand how you move from building to building on campus. And Kettering has established a precedent of having interconnected uh, buildings through tunnels and hallways that allows students to move seamlessly throughout their campus and doesn't kind of isolate students in a, in a particular building in those inclement weather days. Here, we wanted to take that to a whole nother level. There is that element called the connector, which ties in at the far end to the students and the BJ's lounge. So a large social space anchoring one end in the student center. And then as you pass through that connector, which is very wide, clad in glass on both sides. It's, it's designed as a gallery space for student work and exhibitions to be shown. And that connects you over to the atrium in the central hub of circulation. One of the most interesting experiences is that, that Dr. McMahon did not let us get away with having a single floor experience anywhere in this building. So even though that is the, the only one story space in this entire facility, it actually is walkable on the roof deck. So you can connect to the plaza level at the second floor across from the student center 
And from frankly, walking across the street uh, from the academic building, you can walk right onto that rooftop plaza and bring yourself into the second floor of, of the atrium. So the main structure is above ground, not below ground, like the other hallway between the academic building and the campus center, right? Yeah, so it will visually appear as being above ground, but we in fact have sloped the grade down on both sides, again, to create outdoor learning spaces to allow that to be open air. And even though it is a full level below grade or at the quote basement level of the the student center, it it is open air and you can walk right out the, the side walls of that connector into the quad or into the new plaza. Very interesting. I I loved you telling me about that you can actually stand in the atrium on maybe the fourth floor or third floor and look across it and down two floors and with all the glass and light, you can see somebody over there. Yes, absolutely. And vice versa. Frankly, there's very few places in this building that you can't get a sight line to almost the entire rest of the facility. It's really intriguing. We always allowed for those sight lines. And that was really, as a designer, one of the really exciting elements to be, to have the freedom to shape space outside of the conventional four walls orthogonal arrangement was frankly extremely freeing and very exciting uh, to explore from what you can create and a sightline standpoint. I bet you can't wait for it to be finally completed. What's going to be really exciting and I know is uh, frankly one of the things that, that the university is looking forward to is how does it get used and adapted? Every one of these spaces is designed in such a way that you can maybe prescribe a use to it, but at the same time, it's extremely free to be interpreted and reinterpreted over time. And so to see how the building is engaged on day one versus three years down the road is going to be a wholly different experience. And and I'm looking forward to the opportunity to continue visiting the facility once it's open to see how those adaptations come to fruition. Well, Travis, is there anything else we should know about what we're going to experience when this building is fully up and operational? Well, I'll be, I'll be very excited to see the interpretations that, that come from this facility within higher education more broadly. I truly think that, that Dr. McMahon's vision for this facility and its ultimate realization are going to set an entirely new precedent for how The academic experience is reinforced through informal learning and interaction uh, on a campus. Um, There's a lot of venues for that are prescribed today, whether it be a student union or a residence hall to to handle that outside of classroom experience. I'm not aware of any precedent uh, across the country that really takes an entire 100,000 square foot building and, and dedicates itself to to really creating that place on a campus. It's a frankly a brand new precedent in higher education and it's gonna be really exciting to see how that is interpreted long into the future and frankly by other campuses as they see its success and see it come to fruition. Well, Travis, thank you so much. I know you're a busy guy. You got buildings going up all over the country and I appreciate your time this morning. I think Kettering is lucky to have uh, you and uh, Stantec working on this project. Thanks, Tim. It's been a a really amazing experience working with everyone in the Kettering family and to get to know everyone, not just on a uh, professional basis, but on a personal basis. And then as well, our own own team. I I cannot certainly take take full credit for this um, project and I would never do that. We have an amazing dynamic team of, of architects and designers 
uh, and engineers that really contributed their heart and soul to this project and are just as excited as I am to have been a part and to see it come to realization. Well, thanks a lot and good luck with your other projects and we're excited to see how this turns out. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. Take care. Join us again to hear Kettering University's podcast, Horsepower to Hyperloops, available from wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.